Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses, I've raised millions of pounds of investment, and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks, and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice, and everything else you need to know to start, scale, and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. Today, we're going to discuss how to manage the increasingly unrealistic and unmanageable expectations that some tenants have of us as landlords. This is a difficult one, but it's an important one. It risks destabilizing our business if we don't know how to manage these tenants and these guarantors properly. So today, I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to give you some ideas as to how you can manage these tenants. If you haven't got tenants yet, this is still a good episode for you because you want to make sure that you're prepared and you understand how to deal with this before it happens. Don't go anywhere. Please sit back, relax and do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode of the HMO podcast. Hey guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income, or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO Roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the Roadmap, you'll find a full 60-lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now and come and join our incredible community of HMO property investors. Okay, welcome back. So today we're going to talk about how to manage the increasingly unrealistic expectations that some tenants have of us as landlords, that some tenants have of us as agents. And it's not just tenants. This is also their guarantors, their parents, particularly if you're dealing with student tenants. Now, there's no doubt about it. Expectations are getting higher and higher and higher. And I honestly think that this is one of the most important things that we need to be getting our heads around when it comes to building sustainable and profitable HMO property businesses. This really does have the risk of destabilizing our business. I said it in the intro and I mean it. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some examples. Hopefully that actually gives you some context as to how serious some of these problems can be. But The good news is if you know what to do, if you know how to handle this, if you know what to expect, then actually you can mitigate the risk of this getting out of hand. You can sort of put those fires out before they actually start to cause some real damage. So first of all, why is this such an issue? Well, I've got three reasons for you. I want to pose three things to you. First of all, I believe that this threatens to further destabilize the landlord and tenant relationships or the tenant and agent relationships. There's no doubt about it that landlords are, I don't know what the word is. I certainly don't want to say victimized, (laughs) but landlords are put in a box. And I think there's a narrative out there, quite a strong narrative, that likes to talk about landlords not 
doing the best by tenants, landlords being greedy. And I'm sure that that is the case in some examples, but certainly um, from my own experience and from many of our members in the community, I know that's not the case. We and you guys create incredible homes. You do a superb job of managing your tenants. You do the very best that you can given the resources and limitations that you have to work with. And I think a lot of that effort goes unrecognised. But at the same time, I think it's important to acknowledge that sometimes tenants and tenants' parents uh, are unrealistic with their expectations and what they expect from us. Sometimes it's just unrealistic. So I think that those unrealistic expectations actually threaten to further destabilise the relationships between landlords and tenants, between tenants and agents. And I think that that's a big problem for the industry. Okay, I think it is something that we've got to get on top of. The second reason is because if we don't deal with this stuff, if we don't deal with the unrealistic expectations of tenants, it can become a significant administrative burden, not to mention extremely stressful to actually manage. So if these things that tenant want or expect from us or the guarantee tours want or expect from us, if we don't deal with them or we don't have solutions to manage how unrealistic those expectations are, it can spiral, it can become a much bigger problem and it can become a very big administrative burden on us, okay? And that can be quite stressful. And finally, the third reason is because while that spirals, it can turn into things like resentment from tenants, which results in more issues such as organised efforts to financially damage landlords, organised efforts to publicly damage landlords or agents' reputations. And it can lead to mutiny in houses, particularly in professional acts where tenants sort of gang up against you as a landlord and you know and they find lots of faults and they try and leverage all of this to get discounts on the rents or threaten to move out or in some cases actually do move out leaving you with a big black hole to fill which again is very frustrating but on a financial level can really hurt so i think these are big issues okay it threatens to destabilize the landlord and tenant relationship it can be a huge administrative burden and it can spiral into things that could ultimately cost you a lot of money. Okay. Now I want to give you some examples here. These aren't just hypothetical scenarios. Here's the first one I want to talk to you about. As you know, we've just gone through the big student change over this year. Huge effort across the board from my team, from our broader team, including all of our contractors, our cleaners, everybody. And I'm always very honest in saying that there is no perfect solution to delivering the changeover. You just cannot prepare that many houses for that many people with so many moving parts and have everything 100%. Okay, there are going to be some things that are missed, but the reality is this is a very mechanical business. Okay, there are moving parts. There are lots of people. Sometimes you're affected by forces beyond your control like weather and what other people do or don't do so we can do our very best but there is no perfect solution and often tenants fail to recognize that what they see is a house that they've paid for that they should be able to move into that should be exactly as they expect now of course that is the case they should be able to expect all of that but at the same time it's very 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 important that we ensure that they understand that sometimes things change Sometimes things just don't go to plan and they need to be accepting of this. We need to still certainly show you know, that we're making uh, our best efforts to change or fix anything or do whatever we need to do, but tenants need to know that. Now, in this example, we had four tenants move into our house. It was a house that I actually checked them into. And in fairness, 
we walked into the house and there were a couple of issues immediately on changeover day. Couldn't believe it. And I was really disappointed in myself. The first thing was that there was some water on the windowsill. We had a torrential downpour in the middle of the first week of July. And somehow it found its way in through the window, around the window, and that soaked the windowsill through the wall and left some water on the floor. And it just looked really, really bad. And it did. We hadn't seen this because there'd been no rain, certainly nothing substantial for several weeks prior. And it was all perfectly dry. Okay. So we just didn't know. And then this happened on that day. Could you believe it? Anyway, it didn't look good. And also upstairs, the decorator had been in for some reason. He'd redecorated, but he'd scraped one wall back and hadn't cleaned it. I don't know whether he'd forgotten his hoover or just thought, I'll do that as I walk, leave the house, and he'd forgotten to do it. So one of the bedrooms had a lot of flaky paint just under the windowsill. Didn't look great, but it was honestly a five-minute job to hoover it up. There were a couple of other minor issues, like a little bit of black spot mould in the bathroom. We couldn't quite reach the ceiling in there, and the cleaners, it was just too high for them. But when we checked the tenants in, or when I checked the tenants in, we'd already identified some of these things pre-inspection. We actually knew that There's a little bit of black spot mould that needed sorting. There were a couple of bits of furniture that we needed to replace and a couple of other bits. And we actually explain to them in person and then we follow up with a letter. In fact, no, we give them a letter as they check in to say, here are the things that we've seen. We're still working on these. We're going to get them done for you. And then there were a couple of bits, like I mentioned, some water around the windowsill, some paint flakes that needed hoovering up. Nothing really that was of any concern at all. Tenants moved in with the guarantors. Everything seemed fine. Yeah, thanks. Great. Can't wait. Really pleased. Thought great. Totally understood that there were a couple of things or certainly seemed to understand that there were a couple of things that needed some more urgent attention that had cropped up that day and thought nothing else of it. Just got my team to work at getting it all sorted. Anyway, that was on a Friday. On Monday, we turned up at work and in the inbox was a three, four page letter of complaint from this group of tenants, stating all sorts of things, um, complaining about these items that I'd mentioned, many of them just the most menial things and really non-urgent items at all. Some of them, the items that I mentioned that we weren't expecting or anticipating that we had dealt with, but are really sort of upset, claiming that the house was uninhabitable, really surprised me. And it was written like somebody was trying to present a legal case. And that gets you back up a little bit. Now, first and foremost, it upsets me to think that our tenants are upset. And so I went through this letter and my immediate thought was, God, yeah, is there more in here that we've missed? Have we just missed a lot of stuff? And there wasn't. There was nothing that we hadn't already seen and hadn't already addressed and hadn't already made them aware of. But tenants were saying that it was uninhabitable, unacceptable, compensation, blah, 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 blah. And after reading this through and reviewing it with my team, we decided that actually we have done our bit here. There are some bits that aren't perfect, but they certainly don't require or necessitate any degree of compensation. It certainly isn't uninhabitable. And actually what we felt like this was, was an attempt to really kind of bully us, to put us under a lot of pressure and to almost give the tenants some ammunition that they may want to use later in the year or even at the end of the year when they come to get their deposits back. Now we send inventories out and on the inventories, it's very fair. We describe the condition and what's in the property and the tenants get the opportunity to actually comment on that as well and come back to us and yeah, we come to an amicable agreement before that gets filed away and we all say, yeah, we agree. So we hadn't even got that far yet, but these tenants seem to be presenting some sort of a case with a legal narrative. They were quoting legislation, really kind of did upset me. 
And that can be a problem. We had to deal with that very, very quickly. This is the sort of problem that isn't going to go away. That is the sort of thing that you can't just sweep under the rug. It needs quite a formal response as well. It needs my involvement. Three, four pages of wording, complaining about various things. Really, really disappointing. So we had to deal with that. We had to deal with it head on. A second example I'm going to give you is tenants ganging up on you in houses and leveraging your good nature. Now, in one particular house, this was some time ago, so maybe even a couple of years ago now. It was pre-pandemic, actually, so before then. Uh, in one particular house, we had one tenant who found fault with a lot of stuff. Nothing was ever good enough. Nothing was ever quick enough. Expected, I think, the house to be or function as a brand new house. And, you know, that certainly wasn't what they were paying for. There were lots and lots of things over a period of time. And anyway, I think on one occasion, the Wi-Fi went down. We had a real problem with the Wi-Fi. We actually don't supply the Wi-Fi. We pay for the Wi-Fi, but we're not the actual supplier on a technical level. We are just there to pay the bill on behalf of the tenants. And there's very little we can do if the service goes down or things like you know, signals are interrupted in the house. We can help. We can try and find solutions. We can get boosts and things like that but it can be a bit of a problem. And sometimes there isn't an immediate fix. Sometimes we've got to do some investigation. Sometimes you need a new box. And there was a bit of an issue with the Wi-Fi. It wasn't down completely, but it was just not getting to this particular tenant's room very well. Anyway, off the back of a few things and this, they just lost the plot, sent a really angry and upset email. And what they actually did at the same time was onboard a lot of tenants into this in the house and got all the tenants to gang up a group up and you know write this sort of letter about all these things that they were unhappy with and unsatisfactory and they want the rent back for the month or they want the rent reducing and all sorts of things like that if they don't they were going to move out um they really tried to leverage our good nature and we ended up with a bit of a mutiny uh, where in the end we just said look this is what you've already asked for this is what we've already done you know and here's our policy and that we actually set out in terms of communication and time frames to get stuff done and you know what? If you want to move out, you can do, but there are no grounds here for compensation of any sort at all. Occasionally, don't get me wrong, we do mess things up. You know, Sometimes if an oven's down for like a, f- a few days and, we, and for whatever reason, it, we can't get it repaired, we'll give the tenants some cash to get a takeaway for a few nights or something like that. So we're not unreasonable with things like this, but it has to be reasonable. And it's difficult to explain why everything or why a lot of this stuff is unrealistic. But you'll have to trust me on that one. But it's a really tough one to deal with. So we had to deal with this one head on as well. In the end, we did lose a couple of tenants. Some stayed. And actually, later on, we did find that this tenant was sort of trying to really rally other people and get them on board. And I think some of them reluctantly got on board and said, yeah, and he kind of just threw their name and emailed them in on it, put their name on the letter. So you can end up with these mutinies on your hands, which which is really, really frustrating and can be quite damaging, quite expensive. Another example, this one, again, a student house a couple of years back. We uh, had a group that were, were a little bit challenging. One individual in particular was quite challenging. And towards the end of the year, we'd been telling them every single month, you know, here's your utility spend, here's where you're up to, you, you are overspending, there is going to be a bill at the end of your tenancy agreement that you've got to repay. And uh, amongst a couple of other bits, when it came to getting the deposit back, we withheld an amount from them. We gave the justification we presented the case and they were just completely unsatisfied with it and um, just would not accept that there were there was any utility spend that they were due back, argued and argued and argued, said that there's no way that we could have possibly spent uh, money on gas over Christmas because we were away, we weren't there. And anyway, we had to go to the lens of actually getting hour by hour 
records of usage in the house. And of course, we could show that, well, actually, on the two and a half weeks you, you're saying you weren't there over Christmas, you left the boiler on and here's what it was doing and, and here's the energy that you spent and numerous examples of that. Now, in the end, we won it because it was very black and white. It's binary. You know, it's in line with the, the tenancy agreement. And we were able to present all of the evidence to my deposits who sided with us. But this tenant still was unhappy. And it was just one tenant, actually. <laughs> this tenant, would you believe it, actually employed a group of quite left-wing anti-landlorders. They're well-known, but I won't talk about them on the podcast because I don't think giving them any credibility at all is useful. But anyway, these people got involved and I actually got emails from them saying, unless you give this person a certain amount of money back, we're going to mobilise our members to leave you negative reviews. And that's exactly what they did. Because of course, I wasn't budging. No way. You know, there's no way I was going to be leveraged, bullied. We're very fair. This was a completely unrealistic expectation of a tenant. And this happened. Now, in fairness, I think what we probably could have done was seen this happen or seen the the potential for this to unravel the way it did much earlier. It's really important that you recognise where you've got bad eggs in your portfolio. Now, we, we couldn't necessarily kick him out, but it probably would have actually been in our interest to come to some sort of middle ground and try and stabilise the relationship before we, we got into the nitty-gritty of why they owe this money and, and going through all of that sort of detail. We'd lost the ability to do that well before the communication had broken down, and we would just... We were very black and white with it. And sometimes, as much as that's what you want to do, you have to recognise that actually there may be a middle ground that (laughs) serves you better than the principle of actually getting it done. Now, there are a few examples, but in all of these examples, they've taken a huge amount of my time up, my team's time. They're quite stressful and it does damage the relationship that you have with tenants. And that's a problem that makes everything else much more difficult, much more challenging to manage. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. Everything has to be done by email because they want records. It's really not a very nice scenario to be in. And you want to avoid that as much as you possibly can. So here is a bit of my advice to help you deal with these sorts of problems. If you can see tenants are being unrealistic. If you're getting this sort of communication from tenants, if you feel like tenants are ganging up and a mutiny might be on your hands, if you've got guarantors who are just sending you questions and requesting unreasonable things from you, here's a few ideas to help you deal with it. First and foremost, and hopefully this podcast is helping in this, but you need to be aware and you need to be very, very prepared, okay? These unrealistic expectations are only going to continue. They're going to grow You need to be aware that this is actually happening and this is a risk to your business. You need to anticipate things before they happen. If you can see that a tenant's getting upset about something, if you can see that you've got an anxious guarantor, if you can see that the comms in the house is, you know, just getting a little bit prickly, now the emails to you or your team, you need to intervene. Try and find that balance. Try and bring them back on board. Try and keep everybody happy. Honestly, most things, 99% of things can be dealt with by having a phone call and trying to find a positive outcome. But most people just don't do that. And we've been guilty of that ourselves sometimes as well. Don't rely too much on email. Sometimes just pick up the phone, try and explore what the problem is, see what you can do, try and talk through problems, okay? So make sure that you're aware that this is an issue and be prepared. Proactivity trumps reactivity every single day of the week is the only way that you'll actually be able to completely avoid this happening. Okay, number two, another piece of advice. Have really clear policies and expectations that you set with your tenants concerning things like communication, your response times, 
maintenance and your timeframes to get things done. So make sure that you've got a copy of a welcome pack that you can immediately send to tenants and say, look, here's your welcome pack with all the information and expectations that we set. We sent you this before you moved in. You should be aware of this, but just for your records, here you go. And that way, if you're not doing something that's in line with what you told tenants you would do, hold your hands up and say, yeah, you know what, Actually, we've not got this right. You know, we're really sorry. Here's what we're going to do. And if you have, make it clear. Actually, we, you know, we understand that this is a really frustrating problem for you. We're trying our best to do it. But here are the expectations that we set. And you need to understand that it is very difficult for us to tr- to exceed these consistently. Sometimes it does take us three or four weeks to get certain things done. That's just the nature of the business. But you've got to make sure that you've got these documents and that you've sent them. So your welcome pack is a critical document. If you haven't got one, remember that you can actually download a copy, an actual template that you can edit yourself of a welcome pack. It's many pages long, in fact, with lots of information about all sorts of things. It's one of the best documents I think I've ever created, actually. It's been so, so useful over the years. You can actually download that template and use it yourself. You can put your own brand and things on it and give it to your own tenants. We'll make sure you've got that. And remember that we've talked about complaints, policies, and procedures, haven't we? I think on episode 112 of the podcast, I talked about the importance of having a complaints procedure. That is so important because that really sets the tone. If you do get anything really serious, sometimes the only thing to do is immediately send them that back, let them know that you're dealing with it formally. But sometimes that layer of friction just says, actually, you know, we're not, we're not just going to give you a quick response on that. If you think this is that serious, let's deal with it formally. And sometimes that puts the backup of tenants. Sometimes they realise actually they probably pushed it a little bit far and, and actually don't proceed with putting a formal complaint in, which is actually favourable. You, know, you actually don't want them to do that. It removes a lot of admin and it, it really can help cool the situation down. Even though you might think it would do the opposite, almost heat it up, it, it, sometimes it can do the opposite. So that's a really useful tactic to employ. So make sure that you've got that document as well. The third thing that you should absolutely know are your legal obligations. This is so important. In that first example, I mentioned that we got a letter that was written like it was from a legal team. It, it wasn't that great. You could see they weren't a legal team, but definitely the references to legislation. Anyway, make sure that you know your legal obligations. I mean, really know them. This is the only way to make sure that you do have an upper hand because this is something that tenants will try and leverage. They'll try and tell you that this is illegal, this is that, this is in breach of the tenancy. Make sure that you know. And don't be afraid of putting people straight, you know, correcting the record. If they're telling you one thing and suggesting this, make sure you go back and say, actually, that's not the case. This is the law. This is where you currently stand. That really shows the tenants that you do know what you're talking about, that you can't be pushed around, that you can't be bullied. And and that's my final piece of advice here, number four, which is don't be bullied. Don't let yourself be manipulated by tenants. Don't be leveraged. Don't be blackmailed. I've had that more on several occasions, in fact. Yeah, it's really terrible to have to say that, but I've been blackmailed by tenants and guarantors. I was once blackmailed by tenants in the pandemic who were requesting that I release them from the tenancy agreement During the pandemic, even though they were still at university and studying, although I'm not sure whether they were actually living in the house or not, and if I didn't, they were going to give my name to the Daily Mail. That actually happened. And guess what? The Daily Mail contacted me because I told them to F off. You know, no way. And I actually said, I actually pointed out that's blackmail and that is illegal. I don't mess around with this stuff. So don't be bullied. Don't be manipulated. Don't let anyone leverage you. Do not be blackmailed. Stand up for yourself. Know your rights, know your position, and do 
do not be afraid to push back on tenants if they're being unrealistic. You need to know when to push back and how hard to push back. And sometimes it's the first thing you should do. You push back hard. But sometimes a gentler response is what you need, a bit of finesse. And uh, every situation is different. So you need to gauge that. But hopefully those four points help you there. Look, um, this is a really important topic. It's definitely something that you're going to have to deal with at some point, I'm afraid. It's not an if, it's a when, but hopefully this does help you, just gives you that edge and helps prevent anything getting too serious and getting out of hand. So there we are, guys, how to manage the increasingly unrealistic and unmanageable expectations of tenants. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it useful. Like I said at the beginning of today's episode, even if you haven't got tenants yet, this is one that's going to help you actually help you make sure that when your tenants do eventually move in, when you do get your first tenants, you know how to handle them. These things arise. Don't forget, I'm on hand over in the HMO community. That's our free group on Facebook. And I'll tell you every single week, but some of you guys still haven't joined. We've got 4,000 members now. It's growing so, so quickly and it's a fantastic place to be. Really supportive, tons of useful information and education being shared. So come and check it out. Of course, if you want to level things up, if you want to go and get a copy of your own welcome pack uh, for tenants or even a complaints procedure, you can go and get your templates to download and edit from the HMO Roadmap, Noah. The hmoroadmap.co.uk, it's all there waiting for you, along with loads of other videos and everything else that I keep telling you about that's inside the HMO Roadmap. And guys, if you've got 30 seconds to leave a super quick review, please, please, please do. Like I've said before, it helps so much more than you could possibly know. You can leave a review on Apple and on Spotify now helps us continue to bring those great guests onto the show. So thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time to do that for me. It means so much to me. That's it, guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget, I'll be right back here in the very same place next time. So please join me then for another installment of the HMO Podcast. (laughs) 